Welcome to Kissing in a Tree with your host, Kelly Nichols. Romance, intimacy, and self-love are easier when we talk about them, and even more so with someone to lead the way. Here is your host, Kelly. Welcome back to another episode of Kissing in a Tree. I'm Kelly Nichols, and today's episode is all about embracing body positivity in the realm of fitness and intimacy. I do want to mention that if you have had a history of disordered eating, exercise compulsion, or body dysmorphia, this might not be the episode for you, and that is okay. We will catch you next week. Joining us is the incredible Roy Belzer, the driving force behind Roy Belzer Fitness, where he champions body positive fitness content. As a fitness content creator, Roy has inspired countless individuals to love and care for their bodies, regardless of its shape or size. Today, we'll learn about Roy's personal story, exploring how his experiences have shaped his commitment to promoting inclusivity and body positivity in the fitness world. Additionally, we'll address a crucial aspect often overlooked, the intersection of fitness and sex. For plus-size individuals who may have felt excluded or discouraged from exploring fitness or their sexual selves, I hope this episode will be especially helpful. Roy, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, good. I'm so excited to have you on. I know that our conversation is going to be great. So let's just get into it. I'd like to get to know you a bit better and to give our listeners the same opportunity. You're a content creator specializing in fitness content. How did you enter that space? Oh, goodness. That is quite the story. So I actually started posting on TikTok a year and a half, maybe two years ago at this point. And I initially started posting as a uh, just kind of an outlet for myself to um, be able to talk in self-love and uh, give myself space to put words out there that I needed to hear at the time. And so you'll see a lot of my content isn't specifically focused on fitness. I also focus a lot on the mental health aspect of, uh, of caring for your body. So whenever I'm making posts, I'm always making posts for myself first. And I've just been very fortunate that those posts have also resonated with a lot of other people. And it's kind of driven the success that I've seen online with it. And I am so fortunate to be able to have so many people that I'm touching their lives. So I think the fact that you, you know, create content for yourself first, that is very visible when someone looks at your content, at least I think so. So much of the online content that we are served feels so inauthentic and like manufactured. And it also feels um, like repetitive. You know, we're getting the same thing, different flavor over and over again, and your content doesn't feel that way. So I think that's part of why what you're doing works. Right. Um, and I think part of that is because you are, like I said, creating content for yourself. You are an openly queer man in the fitness space. How has that affected your success and also the content that you create? I feel like more than anything, being someone who identifies within the LGBTQIA plus community in a fitness space and, identifying as a like cis man as well it's been an interesting venture because i i feel like cis men aren't often seen as a safe space when it comes to fitness because they're i it can be a little bit intimidating there are a lot of standards that are like societally set when it comes to surrounding that so i try to step outside of that with what I create and the people that I work with. 
And then the other side to being like a queer man in the, in the fitness space that's been interesting is there are certain standards for how gay men are quote unquote supposed to look, but mm-hmm. I don't set aesthetic goals for myself. So currently I am in a larger body than I have been in the past. And that is absolutely fine. So I feel like people seeing that I'm in uh, what a lot of people refer to as like a real body and working in a fitness space has been really, really um, wonderful in catering to uh, helping others see themselves in someone working in fitness. So it's, it's been so nice to be able to like be okay with who I am and still work in fitness. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you don't feel pressured to like change what you feel like is your calling because your body doesn't fit the mold that society has set. Like if you are a fitness instructor, you have to look like this. And obviously like the same is true for women. We think of like the, um, Suzanne Summers, you know, with the thigh oh master, <laughs> <laughs> like you have to look this certain way or you might as well not even try. And so I think that's part of why your content is so refreshing Um, in fact, when we were talking before today's episode, you mentioned that there are specific expectations about your body as, um, your, with your sexual identity. I want to talk a little bit more about that. If you're open to it, what is the interplay between like your sexuality and body image and all of the things that kind of come with that when you are in queer spaces? It's really interesting, um, talking about that as someone who has recently gone through a body change and am currently in a larger body. Because for the majority of my time as uh, someone who has been dating in the like queer world, I, I've been in a smaller body or um, and I've been in a smaller body. So I'm not used to what the attention surrounding being in a larger body uh, qualifies. So I am now considered within the queer community a bear um, mm-hmm. or cub, depending on like, I'm, I'm at that like age cusp between the two. So <laughs> it, it kind of depends. Um, but I like to, I, I, I don't tend to identify with any one of the like queer, uh, body tribes because my body's constantly changing, but it has been fascinating seeing, uh, the intersection between finding people who, find me attractive regardless of my size versus finding people who are sexualizing me for my size and are Mm -hmm. fetishizing the body that I'm currently in. Like I, I'm I'm just now getting back into dating after being in a relationship for three years and taking a nice long break. But I, I recall, I went to, uh, I went on a date a couple months back when I was in Portland And it was a lovely date. We went on like a nine mile walk. It was a very long date. We went on like a nine mile walk and we ended up um, at a park at like midnight and um, we were making out in the park and everything was great. And then he started rubbing my belly and started sexualizing that. And it was not for me. Some people are into it, get it, own it, love it. As someone who has a heavy history with eating disorders and constantly thinking about like how my body looks, etc., it was not something that I was into. And that was that... uh it was just the first time I've experienced that because I am just recently getting into the dating thing. So it was my first time experiencing that. And I am very proud of myself for uh being able to have that moment of knowing, like, oh no, that was not for me. 
Yeah. And dating it. <laughs> <laughs> Being able to recognize it is so important. I, I'm so glad that you brought up that story because I think it highlights consent in a way that we don't often talk about consent. Consent mm-hmm. isn't just when we are talking about like sexually explicit things that involve genitals, right? Like right. <clears throat> consent is obviously part of that conversation. And if you are into the feedy feeder lifestyle, which if you don't know what that is, that is someone who is sexually aroused by feeding someone and making them physically grow larger. If that is your bag, great. But it is so important that you have conversations regarding consent, especially when it is someone that you do not know well. That person that you were on a date with obviously didn't know your history with an eating disorder because number one, they didn't ask. (laughs) Number two, you didn't have a conversation regarding your consent and how you want your body touched and what you are agreeing to. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think it's important to highlight that like that isn't okay. And when you were dating, don't do that someone, don't be gross. (laughs) No. And I, it's something that I've, I've seen more consistently. I've seen it in my comment sections on my videos in the past where people will you know, say, Oh my God, I love your belly in this video. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Like your, your stomach poking out of your shirt. There was everything to me and like continuing on through that. But I'm starting to notice it more when I'm in like open queer spaces. Um, my friends and I tend to go to the, the little seedier, like leather bar here because the drinks are cheap and the pool's a quarter. So, you know, (laughs) there you go. I've been going there and, um, People immediately sexualize your body for whatever aspects they want to. And the ones that they've been picking out on me have specifically been like my stomach being a little bit bigger mm-hmm. at this time. And, and people will just come up and like touch it. And I'm like, is being in a larger body in a queer space considered an open invitation? It, it, like an unspoken invitation you know, and I, it's not something I'm a fan of. (laughs) Yeah. So as a, as a straight woman, I feel like I can't talk about rather how your body interplays in queer spaces, but I will say living in a fat body, I often felt like men feel like it is okay to touch me sexually because they almost feel like I shouldn't be used to that. And like, I almost like I should be thankful and it is disgusting. So I, I, I relate to that in that way that like, I have had men come up and like, grab, I have never said one word to them, grab my ass. Mm -hmm. That happened the first time when I was in seventh grade, like, you know, it, it, I think that they think that, um, you're, you're, you should be grateful for the attention. At least that's how I feel with my body. I can't, like I said, I can't speak to how you feel in a queer space, but that is how I have felt in a large body in society. Mm -hmm. Um, I also want to talk to you a bit. You mentioned like, you feel like people are kind of saying that you're like a a cub or a bear. And I think body type is a form of nonverbal communication in relationships and dating that we don't often talk about. And in some scenes that can communicate what role someone thinks you might feel sexually rather or not you do. Do you feel like that is something that you have experienced in those spaces? I, it's funny that you say that because often in like, uh, gay specific relationships, you're always going to see people asking, like, are you a top? Are you a bottom? Are you verse? Are you side? You know, like, where are you at? And um, more often than not, I you've seen my videos. I do squats for days. I'm made of like thighs and ass. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I am always assumed to be a bottom just because I have a yeah. giant ass. 
<laughs> but I, I, and it's just, it's so fascinating to me to like see that and like have that as a, an automatic assumption in that mm-hmm. kind of space. And I think it's because it is um, a, a little bit more idolized to have someone with like a juicy booty mm-hmm. as like that role. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, to be candid, I'm verse. And so it doesn't matter to me, top, bottom, et cetera. But uh, it's just always been so funny to me that that is an assumption made based on the aesthetic of my body, mm-hmm. you know? I know that when, like I said, living in a fat body, I resonate to some of that because I've yeah. had men come and tell me like, oh, you know, you've got baby making hips or, oh, look at the DSLs on that one. Right. Yeah. And like to have my body sexualized again in a way that I'm not consenting to but also in a way that like, you don't know anything about me. You don't know if I like to go down, like you've got no clue. Right. So like to have my body sexualized in that way and to have someone make those assumptions about me felt violating. Is that something that you have experienced as well? It absolutely can feel violating um, when there's no consent involved, you know, the assumptions are there. And because I am, you know, big booty boy, I get a <laughs> lot of like, uh, like ass grabs when I am like yeah. out in public or just walking past or in any kind of like crowded space. And yes. I, so I grew up as a performer doing like musical theater stuff. So like being touched in general is like something that I'm used to. I'm not uncomfortable with it's, it's okay. Would rather consent, but Um, it is, it is still like, it's fine for the most part, but more often than not, when someone's just like randomly grabbing my ass and I don't know who it is, I, my first thought is, oh my God, are they trying to take my wallet? And then my my second thought is like, who am I going to have to beat down tonight? Because we are not doing the no consent game. Yeah. Like. I, I, I will always speak up if someone is touching inappropriately or, or uh, like passing by touching my friends, I have no problem with confrontation in those moments. I think that's a great conversation to have. So in those moments, what do you say? Do you have any tips for a listener who might feel like so shy and like, so shocked in that moment? Like what, how do you address it? What do you think is the best way in your experience? I tend to be a little bit aggressive when I do it because, you know, typically it is, you know, like privileged, like cis white men that are, are the ones that are doing it. Yes. So I immediately will turn to someone and be like, where the fuck do you find the audacity? Because I need to find it myself because (laughs) this is just not, we've been looking for years and apparently you've stockpiled it. (laughs) <laughs> like I can't, I, I'm very aggressive in those moments. And hopefully I speak a little more eloquently when I'm actually in the moment. <laughs> I know. I think you're absolutely right. That would be my advice too, because I do the same thing. Um, and I yeah. think it's because, like I said, I was first touched sexually without my consent in seventh grade, right. By someone who I did not know. Right. I'm talking about like assaulted by a stranger for the first time yeah. in seventh grade. And so like, I've had to grow up with my whole life with men kind of treating me that way. And when it, when I was a kid, I was so taken aback and I didn't know what to do. And so now as an adult, I have the opposite reaction. I just become 
aggressive. <laughs> and I think that that is helpful. You, you hit the nail on the head and also to call out the behavior of like, yeah. what are you doing? What gives you the right to touch my body? And sometimes if you shame someone, especially if you do it aggressively and loudly and you stand in your truth and you sit there and you give them shit, they will think twice, hopefully before doing it so, to someone else who might not have the balls to say something. One of my favorite things about that, especially being in a queer community so small as like Philadelphia, where I'm currently living, is everyone knows everyone for the most part. So Ooh. if you're doing it and calling people out in public, like you are publicly shaming them. And that is like, like Scarlet A right there. It's <laughs> like everyone will know within 20 minutes that that asshole did that. Good. So. <laughs> That's how it and should be. No remorse. None. No, I don't. You shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't, especially because like you said earlier, like it often happens in crowded spaces. It's almost like they think that touching like your shoulder, having to rub up next to somebody in line gives them the opportunity to like yeah. make it sexual. Like you, do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. for women, like a man will kind of push up on you and almost like push his groin into your butt and act like it's an accident because we're like in a crowded space. Does that happen to you? Absolutely. It's, it's very real within the queer space as well. So it's, I mean, it happens on the dance floor. Occasionally it'll happen in like a crowded bar when you're like trying to like walk past someone, they'll just do the press in with mm -hmm. the pelvis. And I'm like, absolutely not. We're it's not playing those reindeer games. No. Well, I, I agree with all of the tips that you've given. I think being aggressive is the best thing you could do to kind of stop that behavior in its tracks. We have so much more to talk about, but we are going to head into a short break. So stay right there and we will be back with Roy soon. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Willow Intimacy offers body-positive sex and relationship coaching to improve your relationship with others and with yourself. Transform your sex life and schedule a virtual appointment anywhere in the U.S. Visit willowintimacy.com today to schedule a free consultation and start your journey towards more fulfilling relationships. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. No relationship is perfect. There is always room for improvement, but sometimes knowing where to start can be challenging. Willow Intimacy proudly serves women, men, and non-binary clients and comfortably coaches straight and gay partnerships. Take the first step and schedule a free virtual consultation at willowintimacy.com today. We're here to support your journey towards healthier relationships. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. 
Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. Hi, thank you so much for staying tuned. I am Kelly Nichols, and we have been chatting with Roy, who is a fitness content creator. We were getting to know him a little bit more before the break, and now we are going to jump into more of his business and exactly what he does and the content that he produces. Roy, thank you again for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Of course. I want to talk to you a bit about how you incorporate body positivity into your content. I appreciate that you are very open about like helping people of all shapes and sizes. What, um, what do you do in your content creation to kind of reflect those values? So in my content, I primarily focus on, um, both the mental health aspects of self-love in your body, and um, loving the body you're in, regardless of the size you're at, because you deserve love at all sizes. And then I focus a lot on accessibility within fitness for all body types by showing modifications and different exercises, showing that people in larger bodies, smaller bodies, etc., are capable of being athletes at any size. Mm-hmm. As someone who is currently a plus size person, I am consistently showcasing doing extraordinarily athletic moves, um, particularly when I get a little more hateful comments on, uh, <laughs> on my videos. I'll, I'll get a lot of like hate comments saying, you know, fat people are unhealthy. If you're fat, like obviously you're, you're not um, athletic, etc. And I will immediately take that comment just have it on the video and <laughs> do something ridiculous, like uh, flip a Bosu ball upside down and do, you know, single leg hinges because <laughs> why not? Because so. you can, despite what your body looks like, right? Exactly. So that's something I love <laughs> about your content is, and, and I love that about being in the body that I'm in is because for so long society says, you know, fat people can't do this. We can't do that. And so part of my journey, journey to loving myself was learning what I can do. And I love the fact that I am like stronger than hell. I am like one of the strongest people. Right. And so like people look at my body and they assume like, oh, you know, and they're so wrong. Like I can kick your ass. (laughs) Absolutely. And so I love seeing your content reflecting that, especially because I've seen the videos that you're talking about where you do a video response to someone being shitty. It is like such a good way to put someone in your place and to show that like bodies of all sizes can do all things and it doesn't really matter. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. And I, whenever I do it, I try to be a little bit facetious. I won't even say anything in the video. (laughs) I'll just like put it up there. And I've, I have accumulated like so many wonderful followers at this point that they will just go into the comments and rip these people to shreds. And I love it. I got one person's account banned last week on oh, accident. No. <laughs> Oops. You know what? If you're being hateful, you shouldn't feel safe online because you're not making online a safe space for others, right? So like exactly. your account should be banned. If you can't make this platform safe for other people, then you shouldn't have access to it, right? Absolutely. Um, 
switching gears back to body positivity just a little bit. I know that that is a unique stance in your industry specifically, especially because so often the fitness industry is promoting the most recent fad diets and and often harmful rhetoric. Have you felt pressured to conform to the common refrains that you have in that industry? Not in the last several years, fortunately. I, so being someone who is like a cis man and someone who's in the LGBTQIA plus community, like being in a body positive space is something that is almost unheard of from someone like me. So I'm, I'm trying to be that representation that, that I needed. And I got into body positivity myself because of my history with my eating disorders. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm very fortunate at this point to have several other personal trainers who I follow, who are in bodies of all shapes and sizes who promote body positivity. And even with like what we're seeing, there is still this like constant push and fear mongering from all these like big companies on, Mm -hmm. oh, you need to, you know, lose X amount of pounds, or you're going to, you know, be in, in the hospital for your last like 15 years or ridiculous things, you know, outrageous claims. But like, I I'm so fortunate to be surrounding myself with other people who are like-minded working in fitness, who are also body positive and, um, I I am so looking forward to one day seeing like more male representation in the space as well and not having to be the only one that I found. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I I'm trying to be that representation for other people who, who have gone through what I've gone through. So I appreciate, you know, the content that you create, like I have said in this show, because it does feel so personal, like it is content that you're creating for yourself. And it seems like that is a way that you advocate for yourself in the world as a, do you have any information or any tips for how a plus size person can advocate for themselves when they are in the gym or when they are working with a um, personal trainer, especially someone who is not wanting to do any kind of intentional weight loss, but they are still wanting to create an exercise red regime. Do you have any advice for that? Yeah. So I, my biggest thing is, especially with the working with uh, another trainer is focus on non-aesthetic goals, focus on things that aren't specific to your weight, focus on things that are going to be, you know, functional and help you move and live better through your daily life. You know, I, it can be anything from, I want to be able to get on the floor and then be able to stand back up again. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to, you know, walk a mile and not feel out of breath. I want to be able to garden for an hour and be able to stay on my knees that whole time, you know, things like that. And it's, it's important when you're working with other fitness professionals to advocate for yourself and just have those discussions say, I'm not comfortable setting aesthetic goals. I know where my body is. I don't, I don't feel like I have to change my body fat percentage to live a life um, that I'm comfortable in, to live a life that I'm happy in, to, you know, feel good in my body. I want to move better and I want to feel better. And that doesn't have to do with fat loss. It it can simply be functional movement and strength. I love all of that. I 
am going to personally take some of that advice because it can be intimidating as a fat person when we go into these spaces, especially if I think the assumption is if you are a fat person at a gym that you are admitting that like you're terrible and you've got to fix yourself and you're broken. And so it can be really hard to advocate for ourselves in those spaces. So I appreciate that. I think it's super helpful. Um, I do want to touch a little bit on um, how fat people can kind of get modifications for exercises. I know you talked about, you make content like that frequently. What are some common tips? Like what, if you were meeting someone on the street and they were like, I'm fat, I don't know where to start. Cause I feel like I cannot do the exercises. What are some blanket tips that you give? I, so one of the number one things that I tell to clients, and I got this from um, another trainer who, uh, does, uh, Oh, what's it called? It's called the underbelly is the name of their stuff. And it's all about, I know them, (laughs) you know, you know, them immediately. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, perfect. I love that. Uh, but it's honoring your belly and giving it the space that it needs while you're moving through space. You know, it can be as simple as when you're going into a squat, instead of having your, your feet at shoulder width, it's okay to like bring them a little bit further apart so that you can allow yourself that distance going into that squat and have your belly be able to pass through that space and come back up. If you're doing things where you, uh, where you need to do like your hip work, it's okay to be on the floor. It's okay to use your arms behind you to, to do any kind of movements to hold yourself up and assist there's never any shame associated or need to be associated with modifying something. I feel like that's another thing that a lot of people get in their head about yep. is anytime they start a new program and they can't do these, these moves that they see like everyone else doing immediately, we start to shame ourselves. We start to talk ourselves down. We don't allow ourselves that time to get to where we need to be. So that's, that's another really big thing. It's, it's a simple thing to say, and I Mm -hmm. understand it's a much harder thing to work through, but allowing yourself and giving yourself, um, space to not feel shame in those moments. Mm -hmm. That's probably one of the biggest tips that I, I can give when it comes to like working through any kind of modification is allow yourself the time and don't shame yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think unpacking the shame a little bit and why you feel that way is important and it's healthy introspection, especially because um, if you are feeling shame at needing a modification to do a physical activity, that's ableist, right? Like there are people who are disabled who cannot do that activity and they need that modification. So kind of taking yourself out of it and really questioning, why do I feel this way? That introspection can really help you start to question where are other members of my community where are, are things harder for them? How can I be a better advocate for members in my community? Right. And Absolutely. I think people don't think about that when you're watching a YouTube video on doing squats, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's a great, it's a great point that you bring up. And I actually did want to ask you about that. So do you um, see clients who are maybe disabled? Maybe they can't lose, use their lower half or their upper half or whatever. Do you have any recommendations for how they can focus on the parts of their body that they are able to move and how they can do so joyfully? Yeah, absolutely. So I I don't talk about this online often, but my primary set of certifications is pre and post physical therapy rehabilitation. So 
I, I know. I didn't know that. I asked this question. I didn't know that. (laughs) That's okay. That's all right. I I don't talk about it often online because it's not the majority of people I work with anymore. I used to work specifically at a physical therapy office for a couple of years. So we had a lot of people with um, specific disabilities come in and finding focus on things that they were able to do regardless of whatever disability they may have had was so important. So everyone's going to be different depending on what they've gone through, what their disability is and finding joy in the movement that you can do is going to be so incredibly important, you know, and it can, it can be anything. um, Yeah. it, It can literally be anything as long as you're, you're moving and the fact that you get to move, at all is a privilege that so many of us don't don't understand is a privilege. So we take it for granted. We do. So many of us do. And like seeing the people that I used to see when I was working at the physical therapy office, I know that better than so many that movement is a privilege. And I'm so grateful that I'm able to move my body today. So Mm -hmm. anytime I move, I try to move with joy and I try to get others to move with joy in whatever they're doing. So I think that that's an interesting take, especially from someone who is um, in the fitness space, because I feel like we are kind of almost indoctrinated that if you are exercising, it should be painful. And I so don't subscribe to that. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about how, if you are working with a trainer and you are feeling um, like they are pushing you too hard, they're pushing you beyond your limits and you are encountering pain. Like, where is that line of like pushing your body to like what you should be doing and kind of pushing yourself to get to the next level and harm? Like as a client, how can I help differentiate the two? So at the end of the day with, your body and pain levels, you are the one that's experiencing it. Your trainer is not. So you need to be communicative in whatever you're feeling and be okay rating that pain to the trainer so that they understand what you're going through. And also it's going to be an important thing to start to understand the difference between muscular soreness and actual physical pain. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a big differentiation there. And if you're feeling pain, you need to stop like that. That should be the end of you going through that movement for that time. Like you should never be going through and moving through space that is causing you actual physical pain. If you're feeling muscular soreness, totally different. Like that's, that's yeah. okay. That's going to be a part of it. It's going to be a good soreness. It's, <laughs> it's going to feel good eventually. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's, there's going to be a learning curve there with that. And It might take a minute for you to start to have that mind-body connection where you can differentiate between the two. But at the end of it, with everything, when you're working with a trainer and you're pushing to that point, communication, it's so incredibly important. I yell at my clients about this all the time. I'm like, (laughs) you need to tell me what you're feeling. (laughs) Like, I think you touch on- 
Right. You're absolutely right. Like communication is important. I also think you touched on something that I want to talk about a bit more and it's, you know, your mind body connection and kind of how all of that interplays. I want to talk about sex a bit. So obviously being physical in your body and being able to perform certain sexual positions have so much, um, interconnectedness. Um, are there any exercises or stretches that you can recommend for someone who maybe like wants to be having different sex than they currently are or better sex, longer sex than they currently are. Absolutely. I, I actually, um, I do a whole series on stretches and mobility for better sex. So that's, that's something that I do completely. Um, some of the best stretches that I would say getting into for that, going into like frog pose is an incredible stretch for that because your hips are going to be so so involved in everything that you're doing when you're in the bedroom. So, yeah. uh, well, unless you're just like starfishing, which, you know, <laughs> get it. But yeah. yeah. So I frog pose, one of the number one, uh, things that I would go through Cobra, another really great one open through your back and through your core is going to be really, really important. Honestly, like downward dog, really mm-hmm. great one. Um, and then I literally just standing with your legs, uh, spread and letting yourself fall forward, open through the backside of your legs and Mm -hmm. that lower back. So that feels so good too. Like you really can feel all of your muscles stretch and elongate, and it really does open up your hips. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And they're just such simple stretches that you don't think about are going to be so beneficial for the bedroom, mm-hmm. but yeah, they really are. Um, what about anyone who is having problems with stamina? Do you have any recommendations for that? Because sex can be very physical, right? So like, especially if you're the person who is thrusting in that activity. So what do you have for any, any tips on how they can handle that a little bit better? So the weirdest thing with this, all cardio uh, all different cardios are going to treat your body differently. So like a runner, they are great at running. I am a runner. I'm bad at cycling. So best advice that I have for that is have more sex. Like, honestly, just, I agree with that advice. (laughs) I mean, always have more sex, but like, that's just a really big one on continuing to build up that like cardio stamina when it comes to being in the bedroom. Great. Well, thank you so much, Roy. I really appreciate your opinions. We are going to get more of your opinions when we answer listener questions, but first we need to go into another short break. So stick right there and we'll be back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. No relationship is perfect. There's always room for improvement, but sometimes knowing where to start can be challenging. Willow Intimacy proudly serves women, men, and non-binary clients and comfortably coaches straight and gay partnerships. Take the first step and schedule a free virtual consultation at willowintimacy.com today. We're here to support your journey towards healthier relationships. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Willow Intimacy offers body-positive sex and relationship coaching to improve your relationship with others and with yourself. Transform your sex life and schedule a virtual appointment anywhere in the U.S. Visit willowintimacy.com today to schedule a free consultation and start your journey towards more fulfilling relationships. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. We're back. I am Kelly Nichols, and I am joined by Roy Belzer today. We are going to answer some listener questions written in from you. But first, I do want to take this section to highlight this week's health clinic. Again, this is not a sponsored post. This is just important information that I think you need to know. This week's clinic is the Finway Health Clinic in Boston, Massachusetts. They are a clinic started in the basement of a building in 1971. They are now a thriving medical practice offering free screenings for HIV, hepatitis C, and other common sexually transmitted diseases, such as syphilis, gonorrhea, and chlamydia. Finway Health is a safe and respectful place to receive testing and counseling for HIV or AIDS and other STIs. Their sexual health clinic is open to men who have sex with men, transgender, and gender diverse people, and their partners. They also offer case management and medical referrals if needed. For more information or to donate to this wonderful organization, please visit finwayhealth.org. That is F-E-N-W-A-Y health.org. All right, Roy, thank you so much for being here. I have the first question. Are you ready? I am very ready. Let's go. Okay, great. So this one says, I really just need some advice. I'm having a hard time moving on. My fiance ended our engagement four months ago. I've tried to convince him to come back, but he is unwilling to budge. We have such great chemistry and are so compatible. I'm worried that I won't ever find a love like this again. It's been really painful and it makes me terribly sad. Some days I still can't get out of bed. It took me years to find him. I even came out to my parents because of our relationship. And now I just feel so lost and alone. Do you have any advice for this listener? It's a hard one. This is a hard one as someone who's kind of going through the same thing. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. That's, yeah, no, that's okay. Rough. I So I've been separated from my ex now for a little over a year, I guess a year and a half. And we were together for years. We had like a whole life plan together. The week before we separated, we were picking out kids' names. So it, it's been a lot, but... I was the one who was much further into the relationship. I was ready to get married and like put a ring on it, do all the things. And he just wasn't there. So we decided I deserved more and we separated. And honestly, if you're to a point in 
any kind of relationship, whether it's someone you're currently with or past in a situation like this, you really do deserve more than what they're giving you. Because if they're already to a point where they feel like you can't be together, like they're not able to give you what you need, then you do, you deserve more. And there are going to be so many other people out there that can actually give that to you. Yep. And forcing yourself to continue to have them in the background of your mind the entire time is just not, you're, you're taking away potential for the partner that you do deserve. Yeah, man, listen, you said that so eloquently. That is perfect. I totally agree. I also think that like kind of what you said, don't have them in the back of your mind. Don't use this person as the measuring stick to measure every other relationship because that's not fair to you. It's not fair to your future partners. Right. Yeah. Um, something that I also would encourage you to do is reconnect with yourself. I don't know this partner. I don't know your relationship, but it seems like there might have been some codependency there, especially if it's been four months and you're finding that you still can't get out of bed. That signifies to me that you might need to seek some professional help. And there is no shame in that. I mean, you're speaking to someone who is a life coach. I'm a sex coach. This is what I do, right? So obviously I think that if you can go to a professional, you should, but I strongly encourage you to um, seek out therapy. And I've talked about this briefly on the show before, but I am married now, but I have been married previously. I have been divorced. And so I know how hard it is to build your life with someone and kind of paint this picture of what your future is going to look like and the joy that it's going to hold. And we also lie to ourselves a little bit, right? Like when we are forecasting about what our relationship looks like, we are focusing on the perfect parts of our partner and how in the future they're going to be better, right? Because I have a feeling if your fiance called off this engagement, there was a reason. And even if the reason is you deserve better, that's enough of a reason. You know? 100%. And I encourage you to kind of take this as a sign that there is someone better out there for you, or maybe multiple people who are better. Maybe you date around, you know, for several years, maybe you never settle back down and you enjoy being signal. You don't know what your life has in store, but you're never going to find it if you don't get out of bed. 100%. And that, I mean, that's a big reason why I'm doing what I'm doing which is giving, getting rid of everything I know, own and traveling the world. Um, (laughs) I'm doing it to reconnect with myself and, and find that love and who I am. And then one day the partner that I deserve will be a part of my life. And you will have all of these stories to tell him, right? All of them. Yeah. You will have so many experiences that are going to shape the person that you will become when you meet the person you're going to be with. And you're not going to be able to do that if you stay where you are. And it's hard, right? Like, let me tell you, getting divorced was awful. It was terrible, but I got through it with so much therapy and a good support system. And by reminding myself that I deserved better, and that's not even, you know, because of my ex-husband, I deserve to be in a happy relationship where I feel fulfilled, you know, and that has nothing to do with if my partner is great, if my partner is terrible, it has to do with, are they meeting my needs? And that's something that we often don't evaluate when we are thinking about our partnerships, right? Um, are, is my partner fulfilling the needs that I have? Because if your partner is willing to just call off an engagement, especially abruptly, which is, it sounds like it was abrupt. Mm-hmm. They're, they can't be meeting your emotional needs. It sounds no, like there was already some disconnection there. So yeah. 
I hope that uh, our words give you some help and help you get out of bed because you deserve that. Absolutely. I'm ready to go on to the next one. Are you? Yeah. Great. Let's do it. Okay. So this one says, I am fat and my partner is thin. He wants to try new positions, but I'm so nervous. We only do doggy. Do you have any tips for partners who are differently sized? Oh yeah. No, I, well, that's a big thing within the queer community as well. We have, um, we have bears and chasers is what they're called, you know, and for someone at home who doesn't know what that means, are you comfortable kind of giving us some definitions? Absolutely. Yeah. So a bear within the gay community is going to be a larger bodied individual, typically that has a fair amount of body hair, who is like over the age of 30 is usually where it falls. If you're under the age of 30, you're considered a cub. And then um, a chaser is going to be a smaller bodied individual who specifically seeks out larger bodied individuals, which can happen within like any community, not yes. specific to the queer community. But yeah, so we have a lot of, of that happening within the uh, gay community. And um, for couples in those situations, like they're, again, like we were discussing earlier, communication is going to be key. Yes. So knowing what your partner wants to attempt and seeing if there are modifications on those positions that you can make. Yep. And if you're ever uncomfortable in a specific position, tell them that so that you can make some changes because sex should be enjoyed by both partners. It's not yes. just for one or the other, you know, I mean, unless you're into like praise, but if you're, um, if you're in a, uh, sexual position and you're uncomfortable, say that yeah. more than anything, say that and try to find another position that modifies similarly that works for both of you, not just for one of you. Totally agree. I also think that we sometimes get in our head and I've said this on the show before that sex looks like one thing, usually involving penetration, especially in heterosexual couples involving penetration of your penis into someone's vagina. Right. Like we put such very specific definitions on what sex is. And I always encourage you to broaden your definition of what sex is. There are so many things that you can do that are not very physical, right. And they can still please your partner and please you. But if you are wanting to try new positions or in this listener's case, if your partner is wanting to try new positions, don't be intimidated. It is always something that you can try. And like Roy said, press the eject button. If it is not working, communicate with your partner. If it is not feeling good, or especially if you are in pain, sex should not be painful. Let me say that again. Sex should not be painful unless you want it to be painful. And that doesn't mean I'm not even just talking about like standard penis and vagina sex. I'm talking about anal. I'm talking about oral. I'm talking about hand jobs. Like there is no sexual act that you should do that is painful unless you are wanting it to be. So keep that in mind, but excluding all of that, there are things you can do with your body that you might not realize, right? Look around your bedroom. What do you have available to you? I can almost guarantee you've got some pillows, put pillows under your back. You'll be surprised at what that can do, especially if you're just trying to like lift the belly up a little bit. If you put a bunch of pillows under your butt, your belly is going towards your face, right? That's how gravity works. And so it yep. can open up literally your body to your partner. Yeah. 
Also try positions where you are, like you said, y'all do doggy, try positions where you're facing one another. You might be so surprised at how that additional intimacy affects your sex life. You might hate it. And if you do, that's fine. Get a blindfold, but you might love it, right? (laughs) There's something to be said for like being able to look in your partner's eyes. Also, don't think that sex is either on your back or on all fours. You can be on your side. You can be standing while one of you is kneeling. Like there are so many positions you do, especially when you broaden your definition of what sex is supposed to look like. 100%. There are also a ton of aids out there. I've talked about them on the show before. There are things there are pillows that are inflatable. There are pillows that are foam. There's the liberator wedge combo. There are so many things that you can do. You can buy a sex swing, right? Like there are so many things that you can do um, to kind of open up the positions that you are able to achieve. So I hope that helps. I do want to get into, I think, one last quick question. So it says, I've been talking to this guy for a few weeks and it's going really well. The only problem is that when we meet in person for our first date, I realize I'm not attracted to him. He went in for a kiss and it kind of gave me the ick. Can attraction grow or is this something I should cut off? So for me, I, I was just having this discussion yesterday with a very good friend who is also just now getting back into dating and we were talking about like our types and neither of us has like a specific type that we are attracted to. Not like one specific type of person, uh, you know, tall, short, big, small, et cetera. Like it doesn't matter to us for us. It's mm-hmm. always been about the person and their personality. And for me specifically, like I will always find someone who is like into intellectual and witty and, and can, you know, have fun banter to be the sexiest thing for me. Mm -hmm. And I've had situations where I have uh, been on dates with people who I didn't, you know, initially find overly attractive. However, getting to know them better, like pulled me in. And I, um, I think you, you can grow to like overlook some of the things that, um, you initially don't find attractive. So right. don't, totally don't overthink agree. it. Maybe give it another date, especially if you were hitting it off on those other levels yeah. and maybe not physically just yet, give it another date, look past those attributes and see where things go. Totally agree. Attraction can definitely grow. I will say, put a time limit on it. Three to five dates. If you're not feeling it by date number yeah. five, cut them loose. It's not for you. Go find someone else. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, Well, thank you so much for your opinions, Roy. I know that our listener at home is going to want to follow all of your content because it is wonderful. Where can they do that at? Oh my gosh, that is so sweet of you. I have had such a great time on the show today. So thank you for having me first off. Um, To find me online, I'm everywhere at Roy Belzer Fitness, R-O-Y-B-E-L-Z-E-R Fitness. Um, And yeah, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, not on what is it now? Zeet or whatever oh, Twitter is yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not there. Uh, I guess threads, but yeah. So I'm I'm on all of the all the socials. So you'll find me there at Roy Belzer Fitness. And you mentioned that you have a specific series for how to have better sex with exercise. Is that on your TikTok? Is it on your YouTube? Where can listeners find that? So that's going to be on TikTok, and I'm actually going to be revamping it in the next week. Um, and, uh, have that come up with the show release. 
Oh, that is so exciting. I can't wait for that. I know that you're going to get so much attention, especially because the content is so great. So I am looking forward to it. Thank you again, Roy. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate you listening at home. I hope this conversation has blessed you. If you would like your questions answered on a future episode, email show at willowintimacy.com. Otherwise, until next week, deepen your roots, branch out with love and keep growing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Kissing in a Tree. We hope you learned something new and that you use it to enrich the relationships in your life. Until next time, we hope you feel loved.